Hello friends, this is McCall, and originally I had thought I was going to publish a podcast episode every single Tuesday. However, I had not planned on making podcasts being quite as difficult as it is. Um, so I have reevaluated and I'm going to publish every other week. And in between, I'm going to drop little goodies like you're about to hear in this little mini bonus episode where I break down a poem that I discovered while researching Helen Keller for the first episode that I recorded of this very podcast. Check this out. So it's well after midnight on day who the F knows of quarantine. And this is about the only time I get peace and quiet because both of my kids and my husband are home. So I'm going to take this chance to record a poem I discovered while researching Helen Keller for this podcast and an episode that I'm working on currently. This poem is not as Wikipedia said it was by Walt Whitman, but this poem is by Witter Biner, W-I-T-T-E-R-B-Y-N-N-E-R. And what I found was that it was first published in a journal in 1915, and then it looks like maybe three years later, uh, he, she published it. But the poem is called Grieve Not for Beauty. And I read a quote from it for the podcast. But the poem is special enough that I want to share it with you guys. Almost the body leads the laggard soul, bidding it see the beauty of surrender, the tranquility of fusion with the earth. The body turns to dust, not only by a sudden whelming thrust or at the end of a corrupting calm, but oftentimes anticipates an entering flowers and trees upon a hillside or along the brink of streams, encounters instances of its eventual enterprise, inhabits the enclosing clay in rhapsody is caught away in a great tide of beauty to abide, translated through the night and day of time, and by the anointing balm of earth to outgrow decay. Hark in the wind the word of silent lips. Look where some subtle throat that once had wakened lust lies clear and lovely now, a silver link of change and peace hollows and willows and a riverbed, anemones and clouds, raindrops and tender distances above, beneath, inherit and bequeath, our far-begotten beauty. We are wed with many kindred who were seeming dead. Only the delicate woven shrouds are vanished, beauty thrown aside to honor and uncover a deeper beauty as the veil that slips breathless away between a lover and his bride. So by the body, 
may the soul surmise the beauty of surrender, the tranquility of fusion, when, set free from semblance of mortality, yielding its dust the richer to endure a common avenue of earth for other souls to journey through. It shall put on in purer guise the mutual beauty of its destiny. And who shall fear for his identity? And who shall cling to the poor privacy of incompleteness when the end explains that what pride forfeits, beauty gains? Therefore, O spirit, as a runner strips upon a windy afternoon, be unencumbered of what troubles you. Arise with grace and greatly go, the wind upon your face. Grieve not for the invisible transported brow on which like leaves the dark hair grew, nor for the lips of laughter that are now laughing inaudibly in sun and dew, nor for the limbs that, fallen low and seeming faint and slow, shall alter and renew their shape and hue, like birches white before the moon, or a young apple tree in spring, or the round sea, and shall pursue more ways of swiftness than the swallow dips among, and find more winds than ever blew the straining sails of unimpeded ships. For never beauty dies that lived, Nightly the skies assemble stars, the light of many eyes, and daily brood on the communal breath, which we call death. Isn't that fucking rad? Almost the body leads the laggard soul, bidding it see the beauty of surrender the tranquility of fusion with the earth. I love that part because, first of all, I love the idea of surrender and how it applies to my personal program and just letting go. And the serenity, or tranquility, as the poem says. And the idea of death and fusing with the earth is a potent one for me. It goes on to say, the body turns to dust, not only by a sudden whelming thrust, like instant death, or at the end of a corrupting calm. I like that idea of a corrupting calm before death. But the next line, but oftentimes anticipates an entering flowers and trees upon a hillside or along the brink of streams encounters instances of its eventual enterprise. Like before a body dies, the soul goes into nature and in some ways becomes one with God prematurely before the body's gone, kind of getting outside of oneself. So the poem goes on, inhabits the enclosing clay. In rhapsody is caught away in a great tide of beauty to abide translated through the night and day of time and by the anointing balm of earth to outgrow decay. That that idea of connecting with the divine in nature 
is a rhapsody that takes you away in that tide. I like that, and that it's outside of all time um, and decay. Hark in the wind, the word of silent lips. Hearing God's voice is what that says to me. And then it goes on, fast forward to, So by the body, may the soul surmise the beauty of surrender, the tranquility of fusion. That harkens back to the beginning that I was talking about, surrender and tranquility and fusion with the earth. Um, when set free from semblance of mortality, yielding its dust, the richer to endure a common avenue of earth for other souls to journey through. It's deep. Goes on fast forward a little bit. Ending with, therefore, O spirit, as a runner strips upon a windy afternoon, be unencumbered of what troubles you. Arise with grace and greatly go, the wind upon your face. This reminds me of a meme I've seen where it's got a girl facing away from the wind and the wind is blowing her hair in her face and she's all glum and scowling and then of another version of her facing into the wind and it's blowing her hair out of her face and the sun is shining in her face and it reminds me that it's all how I look at things the direction that I face and upon a windy afternoon to just strip down, take off my coat, and just be unencumbered of what troubles me. I, I like that idea, and obviously, uh, Helen Keller did too. Thanks for letting me share these thoughts with you.